0: Hebrews chapter 10 verses 1 through 4. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all, and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins.
1: There's a model of heaven down here below. It's a picture of glory sublime. We the glorious body of Christ our dear Lord live here on creation of Thine. Our Savior has given the sweet sacrifice what a bitter and sinful old tree.
0: You hung there
1: between heaven and earth, my dear Lord, increase my devotion to Thee. The beauty down here, it just gives us a glimpse of lovely and marvelous scenes. That heavenly city is calling me home, that wonderful place of my God. Our Savior has given us sweet sacrifice. What a bitter and sinful old tree. You hung there between heaven and earth, my dear Lord. Increase my devotion to Thee. Oh, what a reunion we'll have that glad day. The grace of our God we'll all see. Loved ones we'll hold in our arms once again in the wonderful place of our God.
0: Our Savior has given us sweet
1: sacrifice, what a bitter and sinful old tree. You hung there between heaven and earth, my dear Lord. Increase my devotion to thee. church is that model of heaven for me. I love to be with them and sing. The word to proclaim it delights my poor heart, and we show how the lost may be free. Our Savior has given the sweet sacrifice, what a bitter and sinful old tree. You hung there between heaven and earth by Lord.
0: To thee. the lesson title of this sermon is it's the five Ps of Psalm 40 uh, but as I oftentimes like to do um, I don't want to just dive right into Psalm 40 and and what I like to do is, t- is to look at a passage from the Old Testament and the New Testament kind of combine those things together so we're gonna kind of do it reverse. We oftentimes look at the Old Testament first and then we look at the New Testament. We're gonna be looking at the New Testament first and then we're gonna be looking at the Old Testament in a moment. But we're going to get to Psalm 40. But when you look at Psalm 40, it's it's about these things that God can give to us. And if we aren't careful, what we can do is we can look at that and we can think, oh, well, these are these great things that we can get from God. But that's not really how we should view these things. In fact, there's part uh, of that Psalm that is dependent upon us. And we see that here in the book of Hebrews, we see that that Psalm is actually quoted and it's connected with Jesus Christ for what Jesus has done for us. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can have these great blessings. All these, the the five Ps that we're gonna be looking at in Psalm 40, they only make sense at least to us as followers of Christ through what Christ has done for us already on, on the cross. I mean, because of that, we can experience all these great things. So Hebrews chapter 10, now we looked at the scripture reading just a while ago um, at the first four verses of that, and it was kind of contrasting the sacrifices in the Old Testament, talking about how those, uh, they they were good for a time, but they didn't really completely do away with sin. But now we see um, what we have through Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verses five through 10. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, And he's quoting Psalm 40. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of jesus christ once for all so you look at how this passage is used and and psalm 40 is being used right here in connection with jesus and how jesus gave his body as this sacrifice for us he completely laid down his life to be pleasing to his heavenly father And he really was showing us a way as you know, we as followers of Christ, as Christians should be willing to lay down our lives and do whatever it takes in order to follow in in order to um, do the will of our heavenly father. That's what verse nine is is talking about. It's not about all of these sacrifices necessarily or whatever offerings we might bring. But what it is, is are we being pleasing to God? Are we being faithful to what God wants, what he wills? And jesus christ shows us that as an example and because of that he gave his body as a sacrifice once for all time there no longer needs to be any uh, repeated sacrifices because jesus has already done it in fact that's some of the things that the hebrew author is going to continue to talk about here in this chapter so let's look at a few more of those verses uh before we get to psalm 40. so in hebrews chapter 10 verses 11 through 14 listen to this once again still kind of connecting some of these old testament ideas uh, with Jesus and what Jesus does for us now under the new covenant Hebrews 10 through 14 day after day every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins but when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins he sat down at the right hand of God And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And this priest that we're looking at here, this priest is talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our high priest. He offered himself, his own body, as a once for all time sacrifice for all sins. And because of that, that's why uh, we see that after Jesus gave up um, his life and after he sacrificed his life for us, and then whenever he ascended to the Father, he's now at the right hand of God. And now he is awaiting the time in which his enemies are going to be his footstool. We also find out from other passages that the last enemy that is to be destroyed is death itself. But Jesus Christ has already conquered his own death. That's why he's able to sit at the right hand of our Heavenly Father, even right now and then skipping down a few more verses here in Hebrews 10 look at verses 19 through 23 with me because these are talking about how great this sacrifice is as if we haven't seen this enough it's it's mentioned again in this passage therefore brothers and sisters since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body and since we have a great priest over the house of God Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled and to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. We see all this comes down to Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that he gave for us. We see some of these these symbols and some of this uh, getting close to the holiness of God Um, It it had a whole process in the Old Testament. Now, under the New Covenant, we see it's all done through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has accomplished all of these great things. And because of that, we can, can hold fast to these promises that God has given us. Many of these promises are talked about in Psalm 40. So let's turn there at this time. Now let's actually get into the five Ps of Psalm 40. The first P is going to be about the patience. Now this is part of what we are called to have, but before we actually get into the first three verses right here, um, I want you to notice that this psalm, uh, you might notice in your Bible that it has a little heading there that says, "'For the director of music of David, a psalm.'" So this one is, is connected with David, and that can kind of shape the way that we think about these things. If you think about David having to wait patiently for the Lord, you know, with with David, we oftentimes think about David and Goliath, and that's a really cool part. But, you know, there were so many times in which David was on the run for his life, quite literally, uh, sometimes from Saul, sometimes from, you know, some some other reason. But there were several times whenever David was living in uncertain times. So psalms like these really can stand out to us if we recognize they're connected with the person of David. And one of the lessons that we can learn from this psalm is patience. The patience that are necessary in order for us um, to, to patiently wait for the Lord. Psalm 40 verses 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him." Now, you know, whenever I I look at this passage, um, I think it's kind of interesting uh, about how he speaks of this new song in my mouth in verse three. Now, that means a lot for David, of course, because he was connected with the Psalms. He wrote many songs himself. So yes, that that means a whole lot to him. However, to me personally, I'm not as much about the, the music necessarily, although in this case, there is a song that stands out to me. And the song is, it's love lifted me. Uh, And I think about that whenever you you notice about this song and and especially this image is used in verse two about a slimy pit that, you know, being lifted out of a slimy pit and being put on a firm rock. There's a huge difference between a slimy pit and a firm rock. And this song about love lifted me, we see it uses the same types of images. Uh, The first verse of that song is, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. And, you know, I can't help but notice the the image that's used about, you know, out of the slimy pit, in this case, kind of like this, this water that's being used, but out of that slimy pit and onto a firm rock. You know, I've never had this experience thankfully I've never had the experience of coming across you know some type of quicksand necessarily but I can understand how such a thing could exist and how it could be very difficult to get free from I have been in mud that is you know got so much suction in it that when you step in it I've lost a shoe before and you know you have to kind of go back and, and get it because it just has so much pressure that's built up and it's so difficult and this image right here is, that God has lifted up us out of that slimy pit, out of the, maybe even the disgusting pit, you know, out of the mud, out of the mire, out of, out of this filthiness that is oftentimes connected with sin. And he has set our feet on a rock, gave us a firm place to stand. That's how David is speaking about within this psalm. And that's how we can think about the great things that God has done for us. But notice its connection is, I waited patiently for the Lord. We oftentimes don't really like to have patience, but many times that's exactly what is required whenever we are in that slimy pit of mud and mire. We need to have patience for the Lord, and he will set us on the firm foundation, the firm rock. As you continue this psalm, we'll see several other uh, interesting connections here. So the first one, of course, that we see, the first three verses is patience. Next, we find out about Providence, I don't know if providence is exactly the best word for it, because it's it's actually kind of more like providence of what the Lord provides for us. In Psalm forty, verses four and five now. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and to tell others of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Think about that. You know, actually another song comes to my mind whenever I I read this part of the the psalm as well. And that is uh, the song, Count Your Many Blessings. And the refrain of that song is, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God hath done. And you look at that, that song, and that song is saying the same type of thing that we see here in Psalm 40, and that is that you know if you try to count the blessings, you, you really can't even do it. You know there's too many to be able to declare. There's too many to count, and that could maybe even be a, a good uh, a good activity for you to do sometime if you are perhaps getting down and are having difficulties thinking about how much the Lord provides for you. Sit down and count out some of your blessings you can soon find out that your list will just go off the page because there's too many to declare. There's too many to count because our God is one who constantly has provided for us in times past and he constantly even promises to provide for us uh, right now and in the future. The third uh, thing, and this is what is quoted from um, the book of Hebrews that we looked at, is that what is pleasing to God. Or maybe kind of like, what's the purpose? What's our focus? And this is how we can be pleasing uh, to God. And that, that is brought out right here. Psalm 40, verses six through eight. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. And with this, you know, it's a a great thing to ask, uh, what does God want? You know, what what does God actually want from us? What does he desire from us? What is pleasing in God's sight? Because sometimes, you know, we might think, oh, it's great if we can sacrifice these things to the Lord. If we can bring some offering to the Lord or, you know, in the Old Testament times, some burnt offering or a sin offering. But that's not just what it's all about. If all you do is provide those sacrifices or or provide those offerings, then yes, on the outward side, you've kind of, you know, done what you needed to do or what is required of you. But in order to be pleasing to God, your heart has to be in it. And that's one concept that is oftentimes mentioned in the Old Testament. We can oversimplify things and say, oh, the Old Testament focused on the outside and the, the New Testament focused on the inside. But really... All the while, there's inside and out that is focused in both of the Testaments. And all of it is coming together because God is the same God who um, has always existed and has always provided for his people. And what he desires from us is the same thing that's, that's mentioned uh, right here in verse eight, that David says, I desire to do your will. That's what we need to be doing. Uh, we need to have this desire to do the will, to, to see uh, what is pleasing in God's sight. Now, that could be different from David as opposed to, you know, today. But yet, the will of God is still something we need to be desiring to do. That is what is pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And this right here is at the center of the psalm. But there's still more uh, that we can see from this psalm as well, though. The fourth P is proclamation. And this would be about proclaiming these great things that God has done. Let us never forget this because we can oftentimes, perhaps in our prayer life, We might think about all the things that we need to pray for and how we want God to do this thing or that thing. But how oftentimes do we take a step back and recognize what God has already done and thank him and proclaim these great things that God has done? Psalm 49 and 10 speaks about that. David says, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. This type of proclamation, this type of proclaiming things, it is connected with preaching. It's the same thing, especially in the New Testament. But I don't want you to think that, well, this is just talking about preachers. It's not just talking about preachers. It's talking about all of us. David himself wasn't exactly like a preacher, but he was openly proclaiming what God has done. And of course, we don't do this in order for people to look at us and be like, oh, well, he's always talking about what the Lord has done. We talk about what the Lord has done so that he gets the glory. It's all about giving God the glory for the great things that he has done. We need to give him credit. If we pray for something and we're like, oh, well, this is you know so wonderful that it just kind of worked out this way. Why don't we credit that to God? If we ask God to give us something or to, to do something or to help someone and then we find out look that person was helped or we received that thing or you know that thing was done why don't we praise God for it why don't we proclaim these saving acts whenever somebody is is saved whenever somebody is uh, comes to the Lord and receives salvation is that not a saving act like what he's talking about can't we proclaim those things we should We can learn that lesson from David as he writes about it here in Psalm 40. And the final, the the fifth and the final P that we, we look at, it's going to be the longest one. And it's about this protection that God gives. Keep in mind, especially at this part, this is David who is speaking about it. He needed the protection of the Lord many times. And in Psalm 40, verses 11 through 17, ending out this Psalm, David writes, do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord, May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without numbers surround me. My sins have overtaken me. I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, Aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Now, one interesting thing that I will kind of connect all these together, you know, these five Ps, if you realize the the first one we started with patience and then we end this Psalm. So he starts off talking about waiting patiently for the Lord, but then we see the end of the psalm is kind of crying out to God and saying, you are my God, do not delay. Isn't that an interesting connection that sort of sandwiches this whole psalm and brings it all together into what is being discussed here? We need to patiently wait for the Lord, but at the same time, we can still be a people who are just saying, God, don't delay, don't take too long, but wait patiently for him. So it's this interesting connection with these things. But here, as we look at this protection that God gives, we notice something, especially when you see this protection that was provided for, uh, for David during his life, for, for King David during his life. We find out that God protecting us, it does not equal everything is always going to be great. That's not what God's protection has ever meant. In fact, many times people who are faithful to God have suffered for whatever reason. So, God protecting us doesn't mean everything is always gonna go great. It does mean, however, that God will be with us even in the difficult times. So as we look at this Psalm, let us be reminded that we ourselves need to have patience and patiently wait for the Lord because he will provide for us if we always seek what is pleasing in his sight. And we need to be people who will openly proclaim the great things that God has done Some of those, of course, being the protection that he provides. And this protection, of course, goes into not just physical protection, but spiritual protection and salvation. I wanna read this this last verse again, this last line here, where it says, "'You are my help and my deliverer. "'You are my God, do not delay.'" And I wanna ask you a question about that. Have you put your trust in the Lord? By the way, that question is not something that you just answer once in your life. It's something you need to repeatedly put your trust in the Lord. And can we say this with David that to the Lord that you are my help and my deliverer, you are my God, do not delay. That would be a great lesson if we could learn that from this song. Perhaps we can. Perhaps we can remember this lesson in the future about patiently waiting for the Lord, for all the the great things that he has done for us and how he has provided for us
1: God the father of all men ruler of all nations master of the universe lord of all creation can it be that we all the people of blood, graciously forgiven. Can it be that we are the people of the Lord? The Lord? Can our Father. it be